Good morning. It is glad to be, uh, I'm glad to be up here with you guys. We're continuing our study on the minor prophets. Uh, I, I hope you have been reading through some of them a little bit this week. We're going to be looking at a, a smaller one, Joel. It's tiny. It's only three chapters long. So there's a good chance. There's a chance. There's a very slight chance that we could get done early. But I would not bet on that. You know, I love how truth sometimes is wilder and crazier than fiction. And this is a true story. You may have heard this before. Every preacher loves to tell this story. But years ago, there was this bar uh, that's being built in Mount Vernon, Texas. Anybody know where Mount Vernon, Texas is? Okay, that's God's country. It's beautiful out there. They have trees and green things everywhere. It's really nice. But there was a bar that was coming up, and it was just down the road from a church. Well, the church didn't really feel like they wanted to share uh, their street with the bar. <clears throat> so they started, uh, you know, kind of protesting as they could and trying to find ways to make sure that this bar didn't end up right down the street. And so they would meet together, and they would pray, and they talked to the bar owner trying to get him not to, to build it there, but he was insistent on it, and it kept building and building. And then one week... Before it was supposed to open, <laughs> lightning struck the bar and it burned to the ground, right? And so the, you know, the church, they were feeling kind of good about themselves, like, you know, all right, okay, this problem has been solved until the bar owner took them to court and said, you guys are responsible for this. You didn't want me to be here. You prayed that this wouldn't happen. And so what was their defense? No, we didn't have anything to do with this. And I, I love what the judge says. He says this. He says, I don't know how I'm going to decide this case. It appears that we have a bar owner that believes in the power of prayer and an entire church congre congregation that does not. <laughs> I just, I love that story. And it really fits in with Joel. Because this is where the rubber meets the road. Okay, so we're not exactly certain when Joel is written. It could have been in the 800s. It might have been early on. It could have been a little bit later on. In fact, we'll talk about this in class. But, but Joel is really vague about the sins of the people, be it Israel or Judah. And so God is just really going to come down on them. And so the question is is what happens when times get really tough. And this is a problem that I wrestle with because I don't have the answer to this. You know, Joel is just going to come out and flat say the issues that we're facing now is because we're a people that have fallen away from God. And so if you ask me, does, does God remove His presence... Does God punish or educate, rebuke His people, His church, an entire country, individuals? Does, does God do this? I, I mean, if we're going to look at Joel, I would have to say yes, but I, I don't think that means every time you know, that we have a problem, we have to say, well, this is, this is God's doing, but... But then we also can't ignore that there are times that God is just trying to say, hey, I need to get your attention. 
Where are you guys? And so we're going to spend a little bit of time in Joel. And I know you're, you're thinking, what kind of preacher walks up to uh, the pulpit and doesn't have his Bible? And I just, I have to tell you, I just would, I have my Bible with me. I've gotten so old, I just can't read the one that I carry around. And if I had a big enough print that I could read it, I wouldn't be able to carry it up here. And so I have like, you probably could read uh, my my Bible from here, but I just want to start off. We're gonna. I want you to listen to Joel, but here's what I want you to do. I would say count, and if you want to, that's fine. You're gonna run out of fingers, okay? So maybe you want to make a tally mark, or maybe just make a mental note. But I want you to to listen to how many times an imperative is used in this. Okay, that's a big word, right? And we're not in school. And if you are in school, it's not a Monday through Friday, so you shouldn't have to think that way. What's an imperative? It's a command. So I want you to listen how many different commands that are found throughout Joel. We're not going to read all of Joel, but we're going to get at least halfway through it this morning. So I want you to listen up. I'm going to pick up in verse 2. Are you ready for this here? Oh, there you go. I don't know if you noticed that. If you're paying attention, if you want to put a digit up, but that's a command. Okay, listen to this. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened to you in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Another one. Here's, here we go. I'm, I'm going to have to stop because I can't do this, but here's at least three. Tell it to your children and let your children tell it their children and their children to the next generation what the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. There, it, what he's saying is, I just want you to know, like the land has been decimated. And you just think about, you think, well, yeah, the, the locusts, they came in, they're little bugs, what can they do? What happens when they just lay the land to waste and it is bare and then all of a sudden there's just no food not for the animals not for the people wake up you drunkards and weep well you drinkers of wine well because of the new wine for it has been snatched from your lips a nation has invaded my land a mighty army without number it has teeth of lion and fangs of a lioness it has laid waste my vines and ruined my fig trees it is stripped off their bark and thrown it away leaving their branches white mourn like a virgin in sackcloth grieving for her betrothed of her youth grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the lord the priests are in mourning those who minister before the lord the fields are ruined the ground is dried up the grain is destroyed the new wine is dried up the olive oil fails despair you farmers wail you vine growers grieve for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field is destroyed, the vine is dried up, the fig tree is withered, the pomegranate, the palm, and the apple tree, all the trees of the field are dried up. Surely the people's joy is withered away. I mean, this is really bad. This is really bad. I don't know if you remember just a few years ago when, when we went through that pandemic. 
We're not talking about just like we're looking for toilet paper. I remember people talking about that. If we like we're out of toilet paper, what are we gonna do? But this was everything. Animals were starving, children were starving, people are dying here. There's no food. And it's not like, oh, you know, we can just go get some more. You got to remember, this is not when they could bring in trucks. That they couldn't airdrop in food. If you were going to get food, it had to be grown. It had to be harvested. There was no quick fix to this. How many of you feel a little bit like that today? Like, I, I do. I, I I feel like some of the problems that we have, the hurt that's going on, I, I, another big word I like to use just because it sounds fun to say, systemic. That's what we have. We have a system-wide problem. We don't have these little isolated problems. It is going through, it is running rampant through our schools, through our places of work, through our culture, through our media. And I just, when you get a sense of, I've been thinking a lot about this the last couple of days, it's like, where do we start? We got lots of problems. Where do we, and the problem is, is there's not a quick fix. We want to find that quick fix. We want to find somebody to blame. If we can get somebody in office or somebody out, if we can have this, maybe we can get this. There's a really big problem going on. And there's not an easy fix for it. I think there's a solution. But it's not really quick. It's not easy. And it's not really something that anybody else really cares to do. But listen up. This is where we are going to get this lamentation. Okay, what's lamentation? Besides, you can't say a book of the Bible. What is lamentation? It's mourning. There's a call to weep. This is a big thing. I think this is really important. Both in Joel's time and in our time, there's this understanding. We need to recognize that we're broken and we're hurting. We're going to actually be talking a little bit about that as we have life groups. Shameless plug, we'll talk about it later. But we want to have an opportunity for people to, to show up and say, you know what, everything is just not perfect. I'm hurting. I really need help. Like Things aren't right. Where it starts is this, this acknowledgement and this lament. So listen here. Now here's where you're going to get a lot of imperatives. Listen to this. Put on sackcloth, you priests, and mourn. Well, those who minister before the altar, come spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before God, and the grain offerings and the drink offerings are uh, withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate or declare a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the, cry, to the house of the Lord your God. And cry out to the Lord. I want to stop for just a second. Who, who is Joel calling to, to confess and to repent and to lament and to well? Who does he say? What are some of the, the nouns here? The priests? Ministers? Elders? Whoo! You guys are off the hook. Go to sleep. This isn't about you at all. Maybe we let's just let's bring up the elders. You know, oh, Rivers is here. You must come up here. It's all on us, right? All 
Okay, so there's a couple big things that I think are really important about this. Okay, when it's talking about, and I'm not trying to to remove myself from this. This is not like, oh, I'm not responsible for this. I, I, trust me, I like it. This is a heavy, heavy burden upon me is, is, is what I, is how I'm living and what I'm saying. Is this bringing glory to God? Is what I'm saying, is this something that, that God wants his people to hear? So this, this is definitely on me. But, but I want you to know that, that when he talks about ministers, do you know who he's talking about? You, okay, let me just ask you this. What, what's a minister? Who is a minister? Let's just, just get it down as simple as we can. Who is a minister? Somebody cares for somebody else. Okay, just, I, I'm going to do this. I know this is going to be embarrassing. You don't want to. How many people in here, raise your hand if you care for somebody else? Oh, really? Guess what? I, I hate to say this, but you've indicted yourself. We are all ministers. Peter talks about this. You're a holy people. You're a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. I, I want us to get a sense that this is not like, like we're going we're gonna to expect the schools to fix the issues or the, the political system to fix it. I think it's a call for believers and lovers of God to weep and mourn and wail and fast. I think it's, it's us. I think, I think this is talking to us as, as people who minister. And you say, well, I don't work in a church building. I don't minister. Of course you minister. When you leave this place, you're a wildly more effective minister than I'll ever be. You walk into these places. I, I go to church. I, I'm sorry. I go to work in a church building. Do you know how many opportunities I have really to like share the gospel with people who don't know it in my workplace? Like zero, almost none. In case somebody knocks on the door, then I can be like, oh yes, I get to talk about Jesus to somebody who doesn't know it. You guys live and work around this. You're the ministers. He's talking to all of us, right? He says, declare a holy fast. He's summon the elders and get ready. Okay, now here's, here's where it's going to get a little bit more difficult, right? I, I want us to jump down to verse 19, chapter 1 still. It says, to you, Lord, I call. Now listen up. I want you to imagine this. Why, why is he calling out to the Lord? For fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness and flames have burned up all the trees in the field, even the wild animals pant for you the streams of water have dried up and fire has devoured the pasture in the wilderness do you hear what he's saying there's nothing left there's there's no other place to go even the animals they 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 pant for you they they recognize that that god you are everything and I just wonder if we realize that's, that that is where we are. are. Are we willing to recognize just 
how badly we need Jesus. And I want you to know that I believe that He is the one and only solution to what's going on in our world. I want us to give up hope in thinking that there's anything else that's going to fix it. I, I know it's a very polarized culture that we're living in. There are some people who are going to tell you, guys, if we can take away every gun, we can fix the world. And there's going to be some people that tell you, if we can give everybody a gun, we can fix the world. If we can get this politician, this will get everything right. If we get this politician, everything will be right. And we keep putting our hopes in all these. If the school system will just do this, if families will just do this, if churches will just do this, if people will do this, we have all these. And really what it comes down to is, I think we just need to realize that it, that God, He's the one that we have to go to. So I want to pause for just a second. I want to leave Joel for just a moment. I want to go back to where I was yesterday. I mentioned I was uh, in, in a room with, with several other uh, pastors and um, uh, school officials because we recognize that there is a, a problem. <laughs> it's affecting our kids. Uh, there was an, an incident that took place in, in a school system just a couple of days ago, and it's left a lot of people scared and anxious and angry for our kids. And there's some people are coming together like, what's, what's the solution? What do we do? And get this, there's, there's a, a group of teachers who started calling around to uh, the different ministers and pastors they knew and said, like, there's a big problem in like, like, we know that there's some steps we can do. I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about metal detectors or things like this. Maybe that can fix it. But, but, but really, like, there's a bigger problem that we have to do. And so this is a weird thing, right? So we got together and we started talking about what, what can we do. And this, you want to go to the next slide? This is what we decided that, that, that we're going to start. And, and hopefully you'll join in this. Save the date, April, April 6th. We don't have everything worked out yet, but they just said, this is weird, because they said, okay, we've got a problem with, with hatred and violence and, and apathy within the school system, and so our solution to that problem is, is <laughs> we're going to pray. <laughs> Silly, right? I want you to think about this because like, like I'm sitting in with this group of people from, from different churches and from the school and we're talking about what's the, what's the solution, what do we do? And the response that we came up with is, you know what guys, we just we need to pray. Like this is it, like this is the big thing. This is not the side thing, this is the real thing. We need to be a people who fall down before the Lord. And say, God, we're broken. And the locusts have ravaged our society. And everybody is angry. And everybody is upset. And everybody is done with it. 
And what do we do? And here's what I think we do. We call on people who really believe in God and really believe that prayer does something. Think about this. You have to believe that prayer does something. They're not empty words. They're not rote words. It is really a a lamenting to God, calling out as Joel does, saying, God, we're broken and we really, really need you. Now, I want to pause for just a second because sometimes we end up in prayer because we think things are broken and God's going to fix it. Now, I think that's great. But before we get there, before we talk about how God is going to fix things, the real problem is not that things are broken. The real problem is that we are not connecting with our Creator. That's the real part of prayer that I want us to harness. For us, it starts right here. I want to tell you a story real quick. This isn't in the notes, and I'm, I have no, it doesn't matter. I don't care. So years ago, I'm like, I'm a youth minister, years and years ago. And I, I was talking to some kids. We were in class, and, and for whatever reason, I was talking about like, where do you sit in class? My wife's heard me tell this story before. I was asking kids, where do you sit in class, right? You know, because all, I like to sit at the back of the class. I can't tell you why, but you know why. Because I wanted to be at the back of the class laughing and joking. And then, but I'd get moved up to the front of the class because I was always talking and laughing and joking. Like, I can hardly imagine that, right? But, but then I got put up with the other kids who wanted to be at the front because they wanted to learn. And they didn't like me up there. They didn't think I was near as funny as the kids in the back of the class did, right? But I was talking to the kids. I was like, where do you like to sit in class? Like, are you like to be on the front row? Are you like excited about learning? You sit at the back. And one of the kids says, oh, I, I sit in the corner by the door. And I'm like, <laughs> like, what? Like, why would you do that? And they said this. This years ago, they said, because I want to be able to get out of that room if somebody pulls out a gun. Like, like, like why would anybody ever? Yeah, that was... That was just a couple years after Columbine. And now we're like, we're almost like immune to the story after story after story. And again, you could say, oh, if we just had metal detectors, there's a bigger problem. And I know it's different from when you grew up. I never, even just... 30 years ago when I was in high school, that ne- like I never thought, I don't feel safe in my school. Can you imagine how that affects your ability to learn? What you're paying attention to? What you're not paying attention to? What people you're going to look at or not look at? What you're going to say? Guys, this is what our kids are going through. And I don't, like... You love God and you love people. And I love God and I love people. And so what I want to do is I just want to be in fervent prayer for our kids and our families and our teachers and our administrations 
uh, and our churches and for the people wandering the streets and just be like, okay, God, we have fallen away. The locusts have taken everything. We, all we do is yell and argue at each other. And we get on and watch the news and we turn it off and we're more mad than we were when we got on. And that's hard to believe, but somehow we pull it off. And the, the problem is, is we're just, we, we just, we've lost connection with God. And I'm not preaching to you, I'm, I'm just bearing my heart. This is where I feel and where I've fallen short. And I don't want us to be like this anymore. I want to close out with these next few verses. Uh, listen to this right here. We're going to pick up in verse 12. This is after he's like, everything has been decimated. There's nothing left. All the, He says, but listen, he says, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. He says, don't let this just be an outward, let it really affect all of you. Return to the Lord your God, for He is what? He's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. You know what that tells me right there? It tells me that God hears and prayer matters. And so that's what I want us to be. I want us to be people who this week we will just find ourselves over and over again in prayer. Driving down the road, spend time in prayer. Pull over on the side of the road and find yourself just your rend your heart and say, God, this world is hurting and broken. It's because we've gotten away from you. Wake up in the morning in prayer. Set your clocks for every hour or every 30 minutes or every 12 seconds. Let it beep and stop and pray for people. Pray that God will be found as we seek Him. That's what needs to happen. And I believe, I really, really believe it does. I'm a weird person. I know this. I've, I've always been, felt a little weird about this word revival. I've always said, ah, you know what, our, our goal is just to, I just want to help people grow and, and to know Jesus better. But now I'm like, you know what, forget that. I don't want just, I don't want to be satisfied with just, okay, let's just try to make our lives better. I really believe that we're called to be ministers and priests to this world, to our kids out there in our schools, we can lift them up because we know that that works and that God hears us. I don't always do this, but I want to this morning. I think it'd be really weird for me to yell at you for 20 minutes about the importance of prayer and then be like, okay, we're going to sing a song. I just want us to pray. And so I'm, I'm going to ask that you do something if you feel comfortable not, not too crazy, but if you don't mind, I just want to ask that you'll stand up. I just want us to all stand, and we're going to spend just a, a moment in prayer. And then after that, we're going to be led in song. But I want us to, to just focus on how desperately we need God and how we really believe He changes lives. Let's pray. Father God, You are a good God. And we recognize the fields are barren, the trees are stripped 
from their bark. There is nothing left. And yet, somehow we struggle to realize that we've just lost a connection with you. And as a result, we're struggling with anger and unforgiveness and apathy and violence with anxiety that just seems to overwhelm and suffocate. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will open our eyes, that you will bend our knees, that you will hear our hearts as we fall down, weeping for having lost you. I pray this week for each one of us as individuals and as a church, we will draw near to you. And when we do, God, we know that you will come here to us. And if that's, there, there could be nothing better than that. Lord, let us draw near to you this morning. And let us lift you up in praise as we sing this song, Lord. We just thank you so much. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.